The family of a local teenager says she never would have left home without calling. It's praying for the best. I want my daughter home, man. And then she can't come home. I just want to know where she's at. These posters around the towns of Livermore and Jay beg anyone with information to come forward. Posters that Richard puts up every spring, never losing hope. Tell me what happened to my daughter. Just look me in the eyes so I can see her. An arrest in a nearly four-decade-old cold case thanks to cutting-edge DNA technology. The arrest happening exactly 39 years the day when Parabon Nanolabs used that sample to create 3D models of the suspected killer's face. It's heartbreaking. We miss her and we're going to find her. We're going to keep looking until we do. It's like a never-ending nightmare. It doesn't end. It keeps returning and coming back. Before we start this podcast, we have a few things we'd like to say. Firstly, Please only contact any of the people who appear in or are mentioned in this podcast if you are trying to help. Secondly, we are organizing a search for the missing gentleman, set as of right now for Saturday, the 11th of September. Follow up for details on our Facebook page. And last, this is quite a bit on the longer side, but very compelling. Enjoy. What if I told you on June 15th, 2021... A 32-year-old man in a drug-induced paranoia calls 911 and tells the dispatcher he's being followed, there's smoke coming out of the walls, and people are after him. And what if I said his family is so desperate to get him help that they drive him directly to the police station, but are faced only with the possibility of him being arrested? And what if I told you when Nick Cross's sister Casey tried driving him to a hospital to get help, he threatened to jump out of a moving vehicle. Casey stopped and Nick jumped out and ran into the woods. Nick was seen approximately four hours later on the lawn of a local home. When the homeowner asked him if he was okay, he stated he was cold and just wanted to go home. That homeowner called 911, and when she did, Nick ran off into the woods, never to be seen again. Tonight, we speak to Crystal Davis, Nick's mom, and Casey Cross, Nick's sister. So... So I'm Travis, and then that's Jeff, uh, the other gentleman there. <laughs> um, now, to begin, can you guys tell us a little bit about Nick and, and what he was like as a kid? You want to go first or want me to go first? Well, Nicholas is the oldest of, of my three children. Um, there's a year, a month, and a day between him and Casey. And then they have a younger brother who's a year and a half younger than Casey. Um, so he's always, you know, always been really happy-go-lucky. Um, he can strike up a conversation with anybody. He get, you know, he gets along with everybody. Um, you know, he's always kind of goofy, giggly, you know, um... I don't know. He just, you know, he's fun to be around people, you know, friends. Casey used to get mad when they were younger because her friends would meet Nicholas and then they would like want to hang out with him, you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so he's just, he was just always easy, you know, easy to get along with and good natured sort of guy. Huh? Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, he's very fun. Like everybody, he he's the light of the party. Like he can come into a room and get anybody's attention. Like that's the type of guy he is. If uh, old woman needed help, he'd be the first to go over and help her. You know. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah. That, that's just the type of guy he is. If somebody was broke down on the side of the road, Nicholas mm. would stop and, you know, make sure they're, they were all right or need, needed help changing their tire. Um, he would just, he would, he was full of life. Like the second he become an uncle with my niece, he just, he enjoyed it so much that when I had my children, it was, you, you could see him light up w with so much love and joy just to have that part and, and be able to call himself Uncle Nick. <laughs> now, did he have any children of his own? No. No. No, and that was kind of um, a little depression point lately, I guess. Um, he had talked to Casey about it, not really with me, but, you know, he was kind of feeling a little bit down that, you know, most of his friends um, had kids already. And then, you know, his brother and sister, my Casey has two, and then my youngest son has three. So, you know, he's kind of feeling a little left out in that area. Sure. Or whatever, but, uh, you know, he definitely in, enjoyed when the kids were around. I mean, I've got, <laughs> I've got pictures with my oldest niece when she'd go visit him when she was at that age of doing hair and stuff, you know, like three, four years old. She has barrettes in his hair, and, and you know, he just sat there and let her do it. So, you know, but you know, so he was, you know, at this point of him coming to Maine because he was living in New Hampshire with me and my husband. Um, this girl that he came to see was an ex girlfriend of his from about six years ago. Mm -hmm. um, the, the day she was leaving her boyfriend, she, you know, got him to come to Maine. She convinced him that they were together and that they were getting their own apartment and that he wouldn't have to worry about anything because it would just be the two of them. And he jumped on it and went. Yeah, he, no, when... he took he took my car without asking <laughs> and uh -oh. came all the way up here, which is, you know, 300 miles. And <laughs> yep. just, wow. You know. So when did this happen that he, he came up to Maine? That was two days before he had, um, disappeared on oh. June 13th. He had come to Maine to meet this girl and uh, he'd come to my house. 
And when he got there, I was like, oh, like, oh my God, did you drive here? Like, because he lived six or seven hours away. So right, right. Kind of a him, surprise to see him, right? Yeah. So I was like, what are you doing? And, you know, and, and of course, I ended up texting saying, hmm, you haven't seen your brother, have you? you know? How about my car? Exactly. And <laughs> so he, he come up to see her and uh, he had asked me if he could stay at the house. And I said, sure, but I don't want... Uh, any drugs or, or anything besides marijuana at my house because I have children. Right. And uh, he said, nope, that's fine. He said, I, I, I guess I should, I wanted to clarify this with you. Now, the other girl that had wrote the article, um, it was on um, on the archive that you put up for us. Yes, and uh, I can't even I, I can't even think of what her name was. She had contacted someone else that I know wrote that article. It was on oh the Daily News thing. Okay, just to clarify, Nicholas was a heroin addict. She, the way she wrote that was us saying that he didn't use drugs at all. Mm. Is the way I took it. He was daily drug use, but not whatever the no, drug that that he ended up that he used. Yeah. Now, you know, how long had he been uh, uh, using drugs? Um. I mean, above marijuana, because I mean that's a legal substance, what do you but. Think? Probably four years, five years. Had he ever tried to get any sort of help? Um, he did actually. Um, he's always maintained, uh, maintained a full-time, more than full-time job. You know, like hundred-hour-a-week job. Wow. Um, he was never into the stealing, the, you know, per se normal. And he, and he did end up going into, you know, a suboxone program. And I was going to ask that. Was that was he currently doing suboxone, like the on the sort of suboxone program? He wasn't because no. he didn't have insurance. And at the time, he, he just... That and he had gone through a, bro uh, a, broke up, a breakup with... Um, a different girl. Yeah, a different girl that he had been seeing for about, what, three or four years, I guess, um, off and on. And it was like a very toxic relationship mm -hmm. that was a lot of the basis of their relationship was she drank, did drugs. He, he did the drugs. He didn't drink. And, and it was just, you know, constant battle. Um Nicholas could be sober if he wasn't around, say, people using drugs. If he was around somebody right. that he was able to, like, have a stable house or a living situation, if he had his job or his life, you know, like, he could maintain sobriety 
for that period of time. But then once he, you know, he'd have a slip here with this old girlfriend and then that slip turned into okay they were starting to see each other right it's like every time he got ahead um you know that was a big part of him coming to live with us in new hampshire was to get him out of that environment mm -hmm. he you know he was doing great he did great for two and a half years um I mean, he was just doing super, and then once that, you know, this past girlfriend, um, you know, would get a hold of him, and, you know, because he'd kind of boast, oh, I, you know, I got some money in this, you know, and as soon as he did that, she'd be like, oh, how are you? I miss you, um, and it just, it just kept going back and forth. Have um, you, have you guys talked to her? Yes. Yes, I, um, she actually had come up, um, and helped look for my brother about almost four weeks after he come up missing. Um, she had come up for two nights. The next morning, um, she... That evening when she'd come up, they had been drinking. So, so when we went out, it was really kind of hard to actually look for Nicholas because, right. you know, they're half cocked, and you know, I I'm like okay, like mad because they, you know, they do their thing, and, and I I don't judge anyone, but like I'm in recovery, so. I don't do any of that stuff. And you're trying to find your brother as well. So Right. And I and mean that it's was, it's a, it's a, it's nice that they're helping, but at the same time it's like a not, little bit of disrespect. Right. Like, her her big blow up was you're here all messed up, you know, per se, and this is the exact reason leading up to him becoming missing. Exactly. So you know. So the next morning she had, you know, said, hey, are you ready to look for your brother? And I said, yes, I have to go do one appointment. She had actually tried to call the new girlfriend. Um, and it wasn't it wasn't to find out any information about Nicholas. It, she didn't care to even mention him other than she wanted some drugs wow yep so she and she I lost it <laughs> and I uh, I told her to leave and uh, how dare she like my, my brother was missing for 42 days at that point and she comes to my house and asks for the one thing Unbelievable. Yeah. I just, I said it would be one thing if you wanted to ask the girl something about Nicholas or if she had been with Nicholas. But right. it's another thing to call and ask for dope, you know, right. like, right. come on now. So for, for the people who don't know much about, like, everything leading up to it, up to this, like, you, you'd started with 
two days before. Could you continue on with that? Like what, what leading up to, to him disappearing and the actual events of him disappearing? Sure. Um, Nicholas had uh, shown up at my house at about midnight on the 13th of June. He had said that he took my mother's car and that wanted to know if I was able to hide the car because he, he didn't want to be seen with the new girlfriend. So eventually I told Nicholas, I said, let's bring mom's car back. If you want to hang out with the girlfriend, you can stay here. So the car got delivered back to my mother and Nicholas stayed with me because he was under the um, influence that they were together. Assumption that, you know, yeah. Christy and him were together, that they were an item now and that this brand new apartment was going to be their home and both of them would be, have a new, you know, a new, another new start at life again. Right. And that lasted for, well, she, okay. So that, that yeah. day that right. he came back was the first night that he left. That's right. So the night, her. the night we dropped the car off, which was, the next morning, we had dropped it off on the 14th. That evening, Nicholas had asked me if he could leave the house. And I said, well, it depends on who you're going to go with. Because, you know, he knows a lot of people. And I, you know, I, I didn't want him to, you know, were, you know, be worried about him. So I mm -hmm. said, all right, right, who are you going with? And he told me, I'm going to go with Christy. And I said, okay, that's fine. Just be back in a couple hours. When Nicholas had come back two hours later, he had no idea where he was. He didn't know his, who I was. He didn't know he was in my house. Um, he was very violent. Uh, he, he just... She called me in, like, sheer panic, crying. I didn't know what to do. I, I had never seen anybody in my life like that. Wow. Right. So did he, had he um, told you then yeah. what it was that he had been doing or taking? Um, he had told me uh, and my spouse that he had done... Uh, meth with his girlfriend um, and that she had given him a gram to hold him over for morning. So we ended up actually getting into it and I told him, I said, I want it thrown in the trash and I want it thrown away right now. Right. So, you know, I, I made him throw it away the next morning, uh, I found Nicholas yeah. on the phone with uh, 911. And he had talked to them for 23 minutes. 
And he had asked, you know, he had told them, hey, I see stuff coming out of the wall. There's smoke, there's bugs. Uh, somebody's trying to kill me and I need some help. I got, that was probably 5.30 in the morning on the 15th of June. And, and what kind of response did you get? Or did he get? Um, nothing. <laughs> nothing. Yeah, nothing. So, I was say he was on the, on, the, on the phone for how long with him? 20-something minutes? 27 minutes. And were they just trying to talk him through it? Trying to convince right. him that he didn't right. need help? Right, that he was just mentaling out and that he was just, you know, like, just needed to take a break. Um, she told them they needed to, you know, send an ambulance. So right. on, on a second phone call, so after he got off the first phone call, he, he then called back and, and told them, hey, there's smoke, you know, again, there's smoke coming out of the walls. There's stuff. People are trying to kill me. I don't know where I am. Can you send me some help? So I, I took the phone from him and I said, he needs an ambulance. He's hallucinating. He doesn't know who he is. Right. And what did they and say to you? They, they said to me, uh, What's your name? We'll see if we can get you some help. I told them the address and I said, can you please hurry up? Because I don't want something to happen to him. Right. And, and I'm not, I'm not a familiar with, with any sort of drugs or their reactions to people, but someone calling in saying like, at least send a police officer to make sure this situation is kind of handled, see what sort of state they're actually in. Well, in something, the, in the you want ambulance or not, you know, send someone. Exactly. Exactly. The fact that Casey has children, okay? Someone is right. calling in um, saying, you know, you're at you're, you're at her address, you smell smoke. You know, at least do a welfare check of right. some sort. Right. Something. So, so when that didn't happen, you know, of course, like I said, Casey had called me again and she was, you know, just complete hysterics. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And we had waited 40 minutes for the ambulance to show up. Wow. How far are you, how far are you from the ambulance dispatch? One mile. <laughs> One mile. Oh my word. Unbelievable. Yeah. Now, what about the police station? How how far away is the police station? Not even a mile. So you yeah, live the, the, you live in Milo. The, I yeah, do. yeah. The police yes, station is like what uh, five hundred feet from the ambulance garage. You know, pretty oh much. Oh my god! So yeah. so after forty minutes of waiting for that ambulance, I said, you know what? I said they're not coming because they don't care because they just think he's some doped up junkie i said put him in the vehicle i said we'll drive him to the police department and i'll get an ambulance right so so we forced him into my pickup truck luckily my kids weren't with us i tried to calm him down by then he was just he said i don't want to get in the vehicle 
somebody's going to get me, somebody's going to kill me, the, the, the truck is going to crash, and I'm like, Nicholas, you're okay, calm down, and he just, he didn't want to hear it. I actually physically had to stop and, and tell him, hey, it's me, like, it's your sister, like, stop, you know? Yeah, like, right you're all right like you're fine and so we went and picked up a friend of mine and we then tried to bring him to the police station when we got there uh the chief of police was coming down the road so i flagged him down with my arms and he come over and he said what's going on and i said i've been waiting for an ambulance for 40 minutes, I said they didn't show up. My brother's hallucinating off of meth and or bath salts. I didn't know, you know, at that point, I, I didn't know what he had had other than just meth. Mm -hmm. and, and so I said, I physically can't help him. Could you call an ambulance? And the chief said, well, is he willing? Well, no, because he didn't know he, he didn't know who he was. Right. He's he's really messed up. Yeah, he's, so, he's incapacitated. So he, he, he looked at me and he said, well, I'm just going to put him down and uh, take him to jail. And I looked at him and I'm like, that's all you can do for him is take him to jail. Like, taser him and, you know, the whole nine yards. Right. And, and at that point, I just, I didn't know what to do other than I knew he needed medical help. Like, right. you can't put somebody like that into a jail or jail cell because then they're going to end up hurting themselves, hurting somebody else. Yep. You never know what, but like, what, what blows my what mind. Did he, did he attempt to even try to talk to him at all? Uh, did he try to talk him down and no, by the time he got done talking to me, he said, uh, well, is Nicholas with you? And I said, yes, he is. And he looked at the truck. My brother had walked down the street to the Napa parking lot and he said, well, he's not here anymore. What a piece of and shit. And this is the chief yeah, of police? He, yeah. yeah. What, Hello. What's his name? Do you know? Yeah. It, Asshole. <laughs> it's, it's actually Nick Klukey. We thought it only necessary to reach out to the police chief to give us his take on a few details about this case. This is not to defend or discredit him or the family. We just wanted to hear both sides of this situation. Well, my interaction with him was fairly brief. Um, they, and again, you talk to the sister and the mother. I mean, I'll, I'll just give you a quick synopsis. I mean, they, he had called. What started it all was he had called um, 911 and making some statements. And then basically she got on the phone and verified that what what the situation was that he was having a, uh, an episode because of some something he took. Right. And she she refused response 
from EMS or fire or, or ambulance, not fire, I shouldn't have said that, but she refused response from fire or, uh, I did it again, EMS <laughs> or law enforcement, excuse me. <clears throat> so we didn't uh, respond to that initial call because she was all set. And then a few minutes later, I think roughly about a half hour later, she came to my office with him and he, uh, she basically just wanted to dump him off with me, which I was willing to do and try to find him uh, something, you know, somewhere to go with him. But he was refusing medical attention. He wasn't uh, in the state of mind for protective custody. And, you know, so I asked her, I'm like, you know, I'm willing to, I'm willing to help here, but like, is he going to be cooperative? And the answer I got was, well, no, he doesn't even like police, which I mean, we're familiar with. Right. Um, that he's probably going to be combative with you. And I said, so I'm not going to be forced into a situation where I have to arrest him because he does something, you know, whatever that be, whether it be, you know, attack me or attack somebody else, or I shouldn't say attack, that's probably the wrong word, but be uncooperative or, you know what I mean? Something like that. I'm like, why am I going to, I'm not going to force him into a situation where I make this worse. As far as the medical personnel is concerned, um, was did you not feel it necessary that the like an ambulance or someone should have come by to check on him right there because he was like did you did he seem very obviously in a state where maybe he should have seen medical personnel? No, see the problem with I mean I, I he was he was um, he he was acting strangely, but he wasn't acting to a point where like he was in danger of himself. Or somebody else you understand what I mean and and I asked her about that I asked her when we were out front of the office if we wanted you know to have an ambulance come here and she refused that then because he because he was refusing an ambulance and quite frankly at that point he could refuse the ambulance you know he wasn't in a state of mind where protective custody was at play so so he wasn't acting very out of uh, out of whack at the time it wasn't no, it's not acting, like he's it, running it, around in circles screaming and everything. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he wasn't doing anything like that. He was just there. He got out of the truck, and, you know, it was kind of obvious that they had been bickering back and forth, and she was just sick of him. She just wanted to be rid of him, essentially, okay. was my take. You know, she just didn't want to deal with him being whatever anymore. Right. And Which I, I understand completely, you know. I wouldn't want to either, but, like, you can't just drop him off with us. Wow. Yeah, and he, yeah, um, he used to be the chief of police in Brownville, and I think he was fired up there. Yeah. Um, wow. I don't remember what he was fired for, but then Milo's um, chief passed away. So they hired him in, in his spot. Yeah. His schedule um, must just be way too busy to help people. Yeah, Milo's pretty, oh. pretty hopping. He, yeah, he's, uh, yeah. I just, I don't understand how somebody can sit there and ask for help. You, like, being so scared, like, just the look on my brother's face, I knew he had no idea who he was. Yeah, she just kept telling me, Mom, you don't understand, you don't understand, and it, which I don't, I've never seen anything you know like maybe on a movie you know or right, something yeah. right. i mean not in person anything like that it, it it wasn't even like a movie 
it, I, I will tell you, uh, my brother, every 10 minutes, I had to remind him that I was his sister so that he was not beating me in the face or coming at me with something. Wow. And that, I was going to say, and that's what ended up her having to stop where he got out um, in, in LaGrange because he was, you know, just so out of control. They were afraid he was going to, you know, try to jump out of the vehicle. Um, so, so he had walked over to Napa and then you were able to coax him back into the vehicle? Did you? I actually had left and I said, I, I had court that morning and I couldn't miss it, which was, I, I maybe I should have let the cop arrest him, but I just, I, I couldn't be that heartless. Uh, so that morning after he went to Napa, the cop said, all right, well, he's gone. And I said, okay, well, if you, if, if you get him, then you get him. If not, then you don't. I went and got gas, and, and as we were coming down the road, I told my, my spouse, I said, can you please stop? I said, my brother's got to be right here. I said, he, he, he needs help. I said, he just, he don't know what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And right. I, had, I looked to the left, and the chief actually had started to come down the road because I think somebody had called in, you know, and said, hey, there's this guy throwing his clothes and stuff around being, you know, um, disorderly, disoriented and, and right, combative. And so I, I stopped and I said, Nicholas, if you do not want to go to jail, please get into the vehicle with me. And he fought me. And he fought me and he said, no, I'm not going because you want me arrested. He said, you're going to take me and get me locked up. And I said, Nicholas, just please get in the vehicle. I said, I promise you, you'll, you will be okay. And he, he finally got in after throwing all this stuff. Um, he had a couple of trash bags that he had taken out and tried to walk with and had lost a ton of stuff out of them. And my plan was to drop him off at the hospital. And this is the chief of police's perspective on what happened at CarQuest. And after that, she said that he had actually like walked down the road to uh, a gas station or something along those lines. And yeah, some people we had reported talking, that. Yeah, while we were talking, he walked off and went over to CarQuest. And um, so she went, she actually left. She goes, all right, I'll go. Because at this point, she decided that she wasn't going to leave him with me. Because like I said, I said, listen, I don't want to deal with a confrontation with him if I don't have to. Like, mm-hmm. you know, why am I going to force him to get into trouble? And she's like, okay, I'll take him to Lincoln and maybe we'll take him, or uh, maybe we'll take him to the hospital up there to get him checked out. If, and I said, okay, that's fine that's where they were headed anyway and in the process of that he walked off with his belongings mind you and um he ended up going i didn't know where he went initially but we looked and she goes i'm gonna go find him i'll pick him up and we'll be all set and i said all right i said if you can't find him go to lincoln she had a court date she had to get to 
and I said, I'll, you know, obviously if you don't find him, I'll, I'll deal with it. So, um, I don't know, five or 10 minutes later, I actually saw him out the window at CarQuest. And so I started to walk over with, with a bag actually, cause he was dropping some of his stuff. So I figured I'd help him put his stuff in a bag, maybe strike up a conversation with him, mm-hmm. see if I could get him to go somewhere. And she actually, before I even got there, I was getting ready to cross the road. She pulled in and she said, I got him, we're all set. And she waved and away they went. So, so we got to LaGrange and he was swearing, he was combative. He tried to open my truck door at 55 miles an hour. Wow. Um, we got to LaGrange Corner and he kept saying, just let me out. I'm going to see my girlfriend, Christy. Just let me out. She'll take care of me. And my boyfriend was getting upset because he, like my, my brother Nicholas, by that point, when we turned by the store, he had picked up a box in the back of my seat and he went to smash me over the head with it. And my friend that was in the back seat with him had grabbed his arm and Nicholas knew him. He, you know, knew him for 10 years. He had no idea who the guy was until he said, Hey, hey, you know, like, what are you doing? Like, and he's trying to beat your sister up. And like, Nicholas is not a violent person. You know what I mean? He just, right. He, He doesn't like, doesn't get in fights and you know or anything like that so it was you know he doesn't like confrontations he would rather walk away and and, you know just and in the meantime she had called me again and she's like i don't know what to do you know it's like he's trying to do this he's trying to do that um and nicholas had said i want to talk to mom so she's like he wants to talk to you. And the minute she handed him the phone, he hung up. Wow. And that was that. He he had he had grabbed my phone. I said, I'll let I'll let you talk to her. It was on speakerphone. He he had grabbed the phone and started to open my truck door. Um, I grabbed him by the sleeve and I said, You can't take my phone like you right. can use it, but don't, please don't get out of the truck. Right. And um, he just, <coughs> he just wouldn't stop hitting me. He, Man. I can't even imagine, you know, I mean, you, I'm sure you did what you could, you know, with grown man I knew better, though. A- attacking you I've never you. seen anybody like that yeah it, it, like if if you come across somebody like that it, it, it's very hard to help them and, and like there's no way to help them other than kind of just babysit them and, and coax them mm-hmm. it's like a baby really like you have right. to walk on eggshells around them and yeah and and the people that you should have been able to rely on with that the 
police or an ambulance were absolutely not willing to help you at all, which is disgusting. You shouldn't have had to, to, to be in that situation in the first place. Exactly. And for them to say, oh, well, the person has to be willing. I mean, come no. on. They're, they're out of their mind. How can they be willing for one thing? Willing or not, a- the, the police officer, like, in that situation, why would he not step up and try to talk? To, yeah, he's, to a, he's in a danger to himself and to anybody that he would have come in contact with. Yep. Right, and, and, and it sounds like else. he viewed it as more of an inconvenience than anything. Right. If nothing else, he should have told her, too bad, he's going to jail. You know, we've got to right. do something with it. Right, exactly. like, at, at least in a, in a tough love manner, like, I'm sorry, yeah. like, this might be harsh, but for his yep. sake and everyone else's, we should do something about it. There's yep. no reason why you should have been put in that situation I, in, I in the first place. And lastly, this is the chief of police's justification as to why he did not do more to intervene when Casey and Nick were interacting with him. Did you have any uh, direct interactions with him? Did you speak with him at all during any of this? No, he was on the other side of the truck, and you know she was basically just giving me the rundown, and he was just standing there waiting for us. Uh, he didn't want to talk to me, you know, basically. He was just, you know, he didn't want to, I think he just wanted to leave, mm-hmm. kind of my impression of it. Um, uh, that was that. Like I said, if he had been acting like extremely erratic or strange out here, we would have taken different measures, but he was just there. Right. So, so no, no, no point in time he acted in any way that you thought you needed to, I mean, thinking back on it now, right, probably you should have done something, right? Um, but, uh, well, not really. I mean, again, it's not against the law to be, it's not against the law in itself to be under the influence of something, right? Does that make sense? No, I I understand what you're saying. And, you know, and, and, and obviously if he had been in this, my take on it was more, it was medical. It wasn't criminal. It was medical. And he wasn't at the point with us where I could force um, medical attention on him, I guess, was the line with me. And, and no, that hasn't changed. I mean, I, yeah. I have thought about it since then, considering um, what's happened. But, I mean, it, it, it's either there or it's not, and it wasn't there. Like, I couldn't have forced medical attention on him. That's actually, it, it's kidnapping. Right. So the medical world, like that. At what, at what point is, is when someone's in like a sort of a medical situation, does it switch to like, you know, you have to, uh, can you, can you, is there ever a point where you can sort of force medical attention on someone, like get some, force someone into an ambulance or is that only if they're like unconscious, you know, they're no, that far nothing off. to do with being unconscious. They have to be in a state where they're a danger to themselves or immediate danger to themselves or to somebody else. So if somebody's homicidal right. or if they're suicidal, um, you know, and then maintain that too. Like it is often times we will go to uh, suicide threat calls. Okay. And you know, you get talking to somebody, and they're not like actively, you know, suicidal at the time, or you know, it all depends on the conversation or the situation. Yep. But yep. there's many, many times that we we arrive at these calls where we don't we don't have 
enough to take somebody into protective custody to send them to help. And all we can do, we're first step in the process. Like people, there's a misunderstanding sometimes as to what we can do and what we can't do. Like we don't pick people up even in that situation where we have protective custody and like take them to a mental institution or anything like that. Like the process is we take them to the hospital. Right. A lot of times, even the ones we do take to the hospital, once they get to the hospital, they end up getting released from there because they, you know, the the situation that they're in or the crisis that they're in, they they get a handle on themselves or whatever. Yeah. So the hospital can't keep them anymore either. Okay. You know, so it's it's pretty specific. You yeah. Know, and it yeah. has to be pretty serious. I, I I tried to explain to them. I said, "There's something wrong with them." I said, "I believe he he is in a." psychosis state of mind that he just he doesn't know where he is like he he didn't know 10 minutes from 10 minutes so every 10 minutes you'd have to tell him okay hey Nicholas it's me do you remember this and then he'd kind of relax a little bit has yep. has Milo PD come out and defended their actions that day at all? No. They've said nothing about it whatsoever? Nope. He he <laughs> he asked me yesterday how it was going with finding my brother. Oh, that's nice of him. And I said, well, it's pretty shitty, actually. I won't lie. I've walked a lot of terrain. I've walked a lot of woods. It sucks. Mm-hmm. to ask people nowadays for help like even hey even if you want to walk 20 feet I'd accept it and not one person could be bothered to even come out not even his own girlfriend yeah right exactly. I, and I just don't understand what the world has come to nowadays that people just sit there and not try to help I mean, somebody in need from the time that he got out and then case you know the day went on um we were unaware until the next day that there had been a 911 call which was um at 12:45 on the 15th um i just happened to be talking to my sister like I said she works at the sheriff's department and I said um I need you know I need to get him reported missing something you know something's wrong here you know whatever nobody's seen him you know for hours and hours um or whatever well this was the next day yeah so the 16th Wednesday Okay. okay and then on Wednesday she said that's really weird the way you're describing how he was acting. She said because there was a 911 call in LaGrange, someone acting just like that. And I'm like, it had to have been him. Yeah. And she's like, no, because um, she's like, I'm pretty sure the, the person gave a different name to the, you know, to 911. 
to the 911. And I said, well, anyway, regardless, I, I was trying on the 16th to do a missing persons report. Bangor, Penobscot County was not going, well, I say not going. The woman I spoke with, I told her what I needed. She said that um, I needed to go back to New Hampshire. They, they refused. And they file, a, file a missing persons report because Nicholas had been staying in New Hampshire with me. And I'm like, but he's what? You file here. it wherever he disappeared from. What and, nonsense is that? Yeah, so I hang up with them, and I'm telling, you know, of course, like I said, my sister works there, okay? And I'm telling my sister, I'm like, I don't want, you know, what's, you know, they won't do it. They won't do it. Telling me I got to go back to New Hampshire, and I mean, you know, and do it there. Um, later that afternoon, um, Detective Trask ended up, um, calling me because he spoke with my sister and and he you know he called and he's like oh you know we're gonna go ahead and do the missing persons thing well through me you know the little conversation that me and my sister had about the the nine one you know nine one one call I did find out from Detective Trass that they you know that they thought that that was Nicholas, that, you know, he met the description that I had given, um, and all of that, but it was, so that was on Tuesday, I let him out at 7.30 in the morning, and she called in at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, yeah, and like 12.45, approximately, how far away is that from, from the place where he jumped out of the vehicle? Maybe a mile, mile and a half at the most. Not even. Yeah. Yeah, what's well, not very far, you know. So did, did he, they send anyone out when to, to investigate that when the lady called? I, they sent a, they sent a sheriff and he, he pretty much shown his flashlight in the woods and said, oh, I don't see him. <laughs> yeah i initially i think they did i i mean i don't know if they did send someone that day i know i think it was the next day on wednesday i i went back wednesday when they yeah did like a little a little search um across the street from those people's house um I got there at noontime, and then when I parked my pickup and started walking the road, two game wardens had shown up, and they had got out with a dog, and they were on the opposite side of the road as I was, and I kind of gave them their distance, and I said, you must be looking for the same person I am. I said, I see you have a dog. Would you like a piece of clothing or an art, you know, something to smell him by? Right. And they All said, right. no, we don't need that. Because at that point, the description the woman had given him, my brother had told the woman 
when she found him in the yard that he was cold, he was scared, and he wanted to go home. And she described him as being very pale, blue lips, um, was shaking, drenched. It had poured all day. And I believe they were looking for a dead body. And at that point, they could have walked right by him and not even, the dog wouldn't have even told them that he was there unless he physically stepped on him. Right, so you're you're saying they had cadaver dogs, not tracking dogs. Yeah, they did not, they, they didn't even bother. Yeah, they didn't even bother trying to locate him at that point, you know, like, they, okay, you know, uh, he's still alive or, you know, whatever. Because um, I reported him as being lost, you know, like. They, they looked for him for about seven hours, seven and a half hours. I left at 6.30 because I figured, I said, okay, if he's still here, I said he's scared of the dog and he's scared of the game wardens and thinks they're gonna, you know, thinks he he was feared fearing for his life about everything, about every little thing, like the tree, you know, like the trees were gonna get him and stuff. And so I left and I come back at nine o'clock and they were already gone. Um and at that point the detective told me nobody could possibly have stayed out in those woods and that my brother was uh, a drug addict and when he got done being sick he'd come out and he didn't think he was there because some money had come up missing off of his account no you you're she's a, you're you're going too far ahead <laughs> you're <laughs> Casey tends to jump around a lot it's they thought he was out getting high they said there was no way he could have spent the night in the woods and they said nope he's he's getting high he's hanging out with somebody don't worry about him he's fine this is over a week later that she's she's speaking of yeah um okay yes okay yeah like i said she that, that gets was, a lot of thought going that, at once. That was after walking, okay? So I walked every single night for the 42 days. From the time my kids went to sleep at 9 to 5 a.m. in the morning, when they got, you know, when they woke up, I was out there in them woods looking for him. Jeez. Yeah. So it... um. <sighs> Yeah, so they did, you know, that initial little, um, I wouldn't even say a few hour search, um, that would have been on Wednesday. It was a complete another week, um, like Casey said, in, um, we had been out, you know, we're screaming and hollering, you know, all night long trying to find you know, 
find him, you know, thinking maybe he'll hear us, this, that, and the other. Took another complete week um, to get the sheriff's department to speak with the wardens to go back out and look for him. Um, And in that time frame, um, you know, like nothing... You know, nothing was being done except for what we, you know, we were doing, basically. Um, Like she said, the detective was saying, oh, yeah, he does drugs. He'll get sick. He'll come out. Um, How do you know the girlfriend didn't pick him up? Well, we didn't know that. But according to her, I had spoken to her. Um... She tried to tell me that my son, in the last few months that she had been texting with him, that he was having mental problems. And that um, almost like he was schizophrenic. And I'm like, um, no, he doesn't have any mental problems. And she's like, yeah. Yeah, he's been acting really weird and basically trying to defer the, uh, you know, I gave him some drugs. What she did not know was when Casey had brought my vehicle back, Nicholas's phone got left at home in New Hampshire. In my sweatshirt pocket. So I had all of his text messages back and forth with this girl about doing drugs and, you know, all of this crap. So I knew what was, you know, I I knew what they had talked about. She knew exactly what I was talking about. You know? Yeah, right. Yeah. I said, you know, Nicholas is not schizophrenic. You can, you know, whatever. Whatever. Um, she didn't seem, the girlfriend didn't seem, you know, concerned at all. You know, um, yeah, she moved right on. Like, um, the next day I had tried to call her and ask her, um, you know, if she could help or if she could maybe ride around or, you know, ask around where she had Facebook just to, even if he didn't want to talk to us, just just to, so we knew he was okay. And you know what her reply was? Give me a fucking break. I'm trying to move. Wow. What? Oh yeah. Why was she trying to move? That's interesting. Well, because she'd been cheating on the guy she was with. Oh, okay. So so she was moving. Yes, with another boy. She she pretty well known in the so, area. How far away does she live from the point of him jumping out of the vehicle? She, okay, so when Nicholas jumped out of the vehicle, we was only about a mile and a half to two miles from the Four Corners in LaGrange. That is about 11 11 miles to my house, so it's probably about... Nine and a half, ten miles to her house, to where she was staying with her mother. Okay. Which, had Nicholas walked, and 
actually physically made it to town, he would have gone there first. Well, then people yeah. would have seen him too, I guess, right? Well, right. And, and that's the whole thing. Okay, so nowadays, I <laughs> there is no way possible that somebody doesn't get seen. Like, there's too many cameras. There's too many people taking, you know, pictures with phones or, or just, you know. This is how pathetic the help we've gotten has been because the Three Rivers communities has um, cameras in Milo and they also have cameras at the Four Corners in LaGrange. None of those were ever checked until what, two weeks ago, maybe? Correct. So So initially when Nicholas was missing and it was a critical time because of the description the witness had given, um, you would have thought they would have checked right. those. Tell them about the going into the the store there. So uh the sheriff's office, the on Wednesday the sixteenth, they had gone into Lagrange store. I, I should say one one sheriff went into Lagrange store. There was two people working. He held a picture of my brother up and said, Hey, have you seen this guy in here today? No, no, have a good day. And walked out the door. Never told them. Never told them that he was missing. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, we only know this now because we started putting out flyers and this, that, and the other. And they're like, I asked them, know. and they said, not one time did they ever say that they wanted a phone call or if he was to be seen to let anybody know or that he had, that he was actually missing. Like, Unbelievable. Yeah. And it, it, it got even worse from there. Okay. So where Casey had jumped ahead, Nicholas was receiving unemployment benefits. Um, he had, this is the most stupidest part. He had borrowed or borrowed, gotten at one of those green dot cards mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. one of his friends in Livermore Falls. What on a prior time he had come up to Maine to visit. Um, so all along his unemployment benefits had been going on that card. Well, this this guy that he had got the card from had access to that. Um, so I think it was Thursday of the next week, you know, I, I'd been talking to the investigators there, you know, they're saying, okay, where could he be? He's got ties to Milo, Livermore Falls, and then to New Hampshire. And I tried to tell him that they didn't need to look anywhere else. That, that that he was there, that he was right there, and he wasn't far. He was scared, and he would be hiding, and he that he was so paranoid he couldn't move. 
Like he physically couldn't move his mm -hmm. body because he was so paranoid. What was gonna happen if somebody seen him or if something had gone wrong and, and you know that he was thinking. Okay, so at that point, um that I, I that jogged in my memory. Nicholas would have unemployment benefits you file on Sunday. So by Tuesday of the following week, he would have had a payment posting to that card. Mm -hmm. So on right. Wednesday, I didn't think of this until Wednesday, the kid that Nicholas had gotten the card from, I'm like, you have access to this card could you call, you know, like, could you call Green Dot and just see if Nicholas has withdrawn the money? If he has withdrawn the money, then I know that he's okay. It's right. a week later, blah, 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 blah. Right, that he actually made it somewhere. It was not 30 minutes. A notification comes on Nicholas's cell phone, which I have says fraud alert did you just authorize a vmo or whatever the venmo money thing is yeah that kid in livermore falls where he had access to that card drained nicholas's unemployment benefits wow. to the amount of seven hundred dollars so send it to oh himself fucking word so i call the detective here in Bangor, and I'm like, now I'm really freaking out. I'm in the case. I'm like, you know, I'm really pissed. I'm like, this kid just stole his money, blah, blah, blah. He's like, no, Nicholas is in Livermore Falls. He said, they're partying it up. Nicholas is in, is in on this. And I'm like, no, you don't know my son. I know my son. It, it ain't like that. I, I'm telling you, you know, there's just, I said the day if Nicholas was able or, you know, anything, the minute, that, the minute that money went on the card, he would have taken it off, you know. Um, you know, it's just the detective was deterring me, saying, He's just out partying. He's with this kid. You know, he's down in Livermore Falls. He's living it up. You know, you just need to calm down. So, I won't lie. I, I, I called the detective, and he doesn't like me very much now. I'm very opinionated, and I really told him. I said, you know, this has turned into a crap. Joe, like you have screwed around for weeks. Yeah. And it's at the point that now you probably are looking for a body. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's at the point that it's been too long. If you have children, which I don't know if the detective does, but you know your kids. You know what I mean? Like you, he was trying to say, well, the, you know, the normal drug addict, the normal this, the normal, you know. Right. Well, I don't know. My son wasn't a normal drug addict. He had a, you know, hundred hour a week job. 
Right. You know, like he went to work, you know, every day up until, you know, he was, un, you know, unemployed, laid off, whatever. Um, yeah, I said, I know, I mean, I know my kid, it, this is not what was happening and they, they were not, they, they weren't going to hear it. Yeah, these you guys know? were just basing their their attitude to this based off yeah. from like preconceived notions about people who yeah. do drugs yeah, exactly. and what they typically do, not right. So they didn't give a shit about the individual or the circumstance. No. No. And that's right. So the detective tells us, well, Matt is, uh, you know, I'm going to be going to Livermore Falls and I'm going to spend all day till I find him and talk to him. This is the kid that took the money. And he says, I'm, I'm going to find out exactly what's going on and if Nicholas is really with him partying and they're getting high and doing their thing. Okay, so on Nicholas's um, phone, it said where the money um, through the green dot. I didn't realize Nicholas had the app on there. Well, I'm not too smart, but it took me several hours to figure out that I could get a saved password out of the phone to sign into that. So I, I did eventually get signed into that green dot card, and it told me um, two individuals' names in Augusta, and then the Venmo thing, Venmo, yeah, Venmo, and then a Facebook pay is where the where the money had all gone. And so I had given this detective two other people's names, where the money went, the original kid, Matt Curtis. Um, he's the one that took the money and, you know, did the transferring and whatever. Um, and it was... I'm going to say two months. It's more it was the, the months. last search that they did. No, uh, the last search was the twenty. The yeah, so um, yeah, almost two months before. I don't know what happened. Um, what clicked in that detective's head? Matt um, Curtis had actually been arrested, spent jail time in. Franklin County was never questioned, never con, you know, spent the, spent the night and, and um, he, he was their number one, you know, either suspect or ally of Nicholas for not being in this area. Um, we were told that if, okay, say the police want to question you about something like this, just because you get arrested and you spend time in jail, that doesn't get that information doesn't get sent back to an agency that wants you for questioning. And I'm thinking. So, the 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 cop that said that he was going to go question Matt, uh, what, right. in comparison to when he said that he was going to go question him to the time that he was arrested, like what what's that timeline look like? Two, month, two um, months. Almost two months. Almost two months. Almost, yeah, it was It was just, yeah, almost two months. Because he didn't, 
he he didn't bother doing that. Um, okay, so that's what I was getting at. He just didn't do it. Right, he just didn't do it, and then by the time the kid got arrested, he didn't really care. He said, well, he's a drug addict. When he gets sick, he'll come out. Yeah, right. I mean, that's all it just kept coming down to. Now, also, the day... The day after this Matt Curtis drained my son's unemployment, there was a tip at Pike's Corner Oasis in Livermore Falls. My mom actually that, used to work there. Okay, well, there was a tip there that Nicholas was, was in a car in the parking lot. Well... Now, this is just fueling this detective even more, that he's down there partying, blah, blah, blah. Right. Well, the person who made the tip was Matt Curtis's niece. Oh, my word. I'm like, you don't find that uh, a little funny, like, um, they're trying to cover for Matt for stealing this money, like, you know, pretending Nicholas is there, like, you're a detective. I'm not, and I can figure it out. You know? <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it was just, it just kept, it was getting crazy and crazy. I'm sorry. Casey is very up and down. Like, she's all over the uh, she's, place as far as she's, yeah, she's certainly been through that. a lot. And yeah. yeah there's, she, she, she's I can't even fathom. trying to keep all of this straight. You know, like where she's been looking and who said what and this and that, and she gets very overwhelmed. Well, and, and not you, I can't imagine anything but that, honestly, because, and not you guys in any way, but Nick has been just let down by everybody. Yeah. In this circumstance. And, and I, you, and, yeah. Could you imagine, like, if, if you were missing and, to sit there and say no flashlight, no food, no phone, no no nothing. Your mind's all. I would be scared up. shitless in the woods. To, you know, I think anybody would. And and to to fall and say, okay, so you know somebody's gonna come for me. Right. Like they got wardens because he hunts and stuff, so he's great in the woods normally. You know when his mind is normal. And I just right thinking that he's gotten hurt or you know something like that and right that... to be in that situation and and you know what someone someone's gonna come after me someone right. someone will be it, out here. It blows my mind that besides you know myself or my mother or or my spouse or and her husband going out and, and looking for my brother. Besides a few people on ATVs that, you know, said, hey, have you seen him? Yeah, like yeah. we haven't been able, even through Facebook, even friends, you know, nobody. Nobody well, will. Well, that's the thing is you guys have been walking through fire trying to, to yeah. try and find him. Yeah. yeah and, and the people who actually have the resources have done next to nothing. No, exactly. Like we talked with Demi, or I, I, I did. Yeah, and I talked with him too. We talked with Demi, and they said 
you know, basically you have to exhaust every other every aspect. right. The, the police, the warden, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, we'll step in. But it, it sounds like you've done that. Yeah. It's like. So, so they have. Well, that's how it ended up Casey getting in contact with Julie because nobody. Did they wouldn't bring a dog. Like, we couldn't even get a dog out there, you know? Like, that's the big, you know. The, the 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 big thing is okay. So, the the detective on Nicholas's case probably has never you know experienced being around somebody that's a full blown drug addict or or knows how somebody like that would be. Probably looks down at him. It it, it happens a lot. They don't look at him mm-hmm. as a person. You know what I mean? Like it's what it yeah. comes. And for him to ask for help for one, that that would have taken a lot of guts because my brother, he's not one to to sit there and, and call for help and, and to put himself right. You know. I mean, can you imagine calling nine one one and just have him say, eh, I, "Not today." I don't get yeah. that. I thought they it was mandated they they come out whenever That's someone calls 911. Like I said, they know Casey has two babies, small yeah. children. When my son said he smells smoke, why didn't they come immediately? Right. Right. Exactly. And it's not yeah. like they didn't, you know, it's not like they didn't know where he was, you know. So has there been any sightings at all since the so, the lady saw him on the front on her front lawn? So the lady seen him on her front lawn and uh, about a week later, probably a half a mile down the road where these people that live off the land, I had went there and talked to them. Everybody up here calls them the granolas. So if you hear us <laughs> say that, you'll know what, right. who we're speaking. I'm, I'm familiar with that term. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the crunchies. So, <laughs> so they told me at 2 a.m. somebody was going through the back of their bog, which Nicholas knows that area because he used to hang out with a friend up in those fields. And that somebody was letting all the bullfrogs in the back of the bog off. So two gentlemen followed a person at 2 a.m. with guns to the four-wheeler trail. One of the guys stopped halfway through and tried to go back around and get on the four-wheeler trail. Which I'm going to turn you that way. It, it, it's, it's, so, it's so close. Um, the, the four-wheeler trail is literally, you can use that and get anywhere within a mile. Mm-hmm. So, right. They just were so adamant that they they believed it was him because they had private property. Nobody goes up there. I mean, it, they're hippies, you know. Right. Come on, so. <clears throat> but Nick knows that area. You said right. Nick knew the area, and I believe he had come down the road. And possibly went up there to uh, 
to hide out, you know. Um, they were eating and just leaving stuff out, leaving water out or whatnot. So I believe he was able to sit there for a few days. Mm-hmm. Now, when they chased him through the bog, the guy ended up calling me and saying, hey, at 2 a.m. last night, I chased somebody through the bog. I believe it was your brother. And I said, okay. I said, I'll come check it out. The trail I took was horrible. It come up to my neck and just filth. It was just, yeah. it was disgusting. I won't lie, the terrain was horrible. And I called Detective Trask and I said, hey, somebody come through here at 2 a.m. This is a mile from where my brother was last seen. Can you get somebody out here? He said, well, I'll look into it. Well, he was tied up on another case for three weeks. How long after Nick had gone missing that, that you'd gotten this information about them chasing someone? Two weeks. Two weeks. So on the second week Nicholas was missing, they called and said, hey, we we think it was him. So the detective actually drove out to their house and they said, yep, we, we did follow somebody through there, but when we got to the end, we didn't see him. And because they said that they did not identify Nicholas or anybody else, that it wasn't a lead. Unbelievable. Now, now there has been the- other... I, I, I finally kind of got on a personal basis with this detective and, you know, I, you know, I don't try to sugarcoat anything. I just say, you know, how it is. Well, you guys switched it up, didn't you? <laughs> What'd you do? Change chairs? You switched sides of our no. screen. <laughs> oh, how that happens? Just lose me there for a minute. <laughs> well, anyway, I talking to the detective. Um, he said we're not going. Obviously, we're not going to tell you all the leads we get. Um, you know, that's part of an investigation. We're not going to give all of that up. Then he goes to tell me, he said, right in the very beginning, within a couple days of Nicholas missing, they had a caller call from Steuben, Maine, and said that they had seen Nicholas. And I said, where is that? Because I, I had no idea where it was. And I don't either. He said, oh, that was my yeah. thought. Exactly. And he said, I asked the person, you know, why did they think it was Nick? And the person said, you know, because he, it looks just like the guy, you know, um, that I've seen on Facebook and this, that, and the other, um, whatever. The detective says, I didn't bother to follow up on that. For one thing, Nicholas has no ties in Steuben, and he doesn't have any drug connections in Steuben, so I didn't really you know, feel like we needed to go all the way to the coast of Maine. So really? how, how far away is it? Steuben, I think, is over, like, by um, East, uh, is it Eastport? Uh, I, I don't know where. Jonesport, okay, that so. area, which is not 
from here, from Bangor, really isn't all that, you know, far-fetched because the law, there's log trucks that, you know, travel these roads up here. You know, I mean, it. if you're looking for a missing person, I mean, wouldn't you have done At something? least look into it, do yeah. something, yeah, like, make a phone call. missed it. You know, like and how, how many days after after he was missing did uh, he, he said that he got this in, phone call? He said that was in the first few you know few days after me reporting Nicholas missing that he got that phone call. Right. Um, so that I, that and and the story of the the granola people right. uh, doesn't necessarily line up, but that still doesn't mean that right. you shouldn't look into it one way or the right. other. And I mean. I had people, you know, who was sending me messages on instant messenger. I had one woman, you know, say that she's seen him in Hudson, um, which, which is, you know, which could be possible, you know, general area. But, um, the, but then we had the family member of the money thief <laughs> insisting that he was in Livermore Falls, and it just. It, it, the the detective never deviated from that. You know what I mean? Like that's what he wanted to believe. The 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 main thing is that they they think my brother's a drug addict, and the reason they will not go in the woods and look for him is because he willingly walked in. Yeah, that's what we. That is what the, the he's an adult. He chose to get high. And he willingly got lost on his own. Right. Well, just mm -hmm. forget, pretend that the fact that he was on a mind-altering substance right. that but, completely changed his mental state. That did. Well, don't don't care yeah, about that. that. He that chose to go into the woods, right? Like all of these kids and other people, you know, with dementia and stuff, they willingly walk in the woods on their own. Exactly. Too. Yeah. The exact you know? same. It's disgusting you know? what you guys have had to deal with. Oh, yeah. I can't imagine. What's disgusting is the simple fact that while we're busting our rumps to try and find him alive, we have people that want attention, want whatever they want, just calling in and just giving just dumb stories that are wasting time when they it, when they could actually be doing something. You know, uh, yeah, a lot of people are coming up with um, this new girlfriend's ex-boyfriend murdered Nicholas. And, you know, they're just coming up with all of these theories or, or whatever. Or that, and, my, my... And, and it's like, okay, yes, something like that could have happened. But Nick, from what we know, Nick happened. Um, Nicholas would have tried. He okay. So the first couple of days, yeah, he probably was scared right out of his damn mind. Like he probably had no idea. He didn't, you know, he didn't know if he was coming or going. Right. Um, I believe that night. <laughs> That the granolas went through the bog. I believe they they chased him out of the area, and that's when he started on the other side of of the four corners there, 
because like I said, the four-wheeler trail, you can either get to the Medford, you can get to LaGrange, you could get to 6 and 16 on Milo, you can get to the other Alton. side of Mill Street or Alton mm-hmm. within a mile to two miles. Oh, wow. And, and they don't want to, um, the search, you know, that we had done with the dog, they, they, they don't want to put any faith in that whatsoever. We have no, we have no proof. So, so, you know, so they're, they're, they're not willing to search. When when I hired the dog, I tried to trick the woman and I brought her to two different spots. And I said, this is where my brother come out, I believe. And she said, okay, we'll, we'll send him, give me the scent article. And she said, no, I didn't get nothing whatsoever. So I brought her, you know, 100 feet up the road again. And I said, well, let's try it again. You know, I think this is it. And she says, no, no, he wasn't here. Like, this is the wrong spot. So I brought her up to the actual spot that I had come out of the bog. And where Nicholas, if it had been him come out, the dog immediately got on the trail, jumped into the bog, and wanted to go across it to the other side of the road. Okay. As soon as we let the dog do it, he brought us to the other side of the road, to which is the road that would go to Medford Center. It's a dirt road, but the four-wheeler trail connects to it. And it had brought us down the loop-de-loop that would bring us to the sharp corner that meets Bennick Road at the LaGrange side. So and something I want to ask about is the backpack. Was this during this search that you found the backpack? No. So they found my brother's backpack <clears throat> on the second search. After they had nothing to go on from the first search, they had asked me if I could remember where I had dropped him off at. So I brought them exactly to where I dropped him off at. I said, this is my tire mark. This is where I dropped him off at. They then got the dog out. Probably two days later, the nine cadavers they took out and started from the woman's house up to where I had dropped him off. And where I had dropped him off, he had actually walked into the woods and must have been sitting there and left his backpack. Okay. Something spooked him or he was overdosed. You know, whatever it be, something spooked him. He then left his backpack and headed towards LaGrange. So he righted himself mm-hmm. and knew he had to go the opposite way to get, you know, to either get to my brother's LaGrange, a, you know, a store that he could actually make it to. Gotcha. Yeah, Sorry, they're Sorry to interrupt you. That, yeah, they're insisting that Nicholas is not in in this area up here whatsoever because their dogs would have found him if he was dead they would have found him 
And then I just read. If it's um, hot though, okay, so if it's hot and the humidity and the dog can smell on the wind. So the dog it is not physically, he, he'd have to walk. If Nicholas had been alive when they used the dogs, the dogs would have had to physically walk over him to know that he was there. Mm-hmm. Well, they're insisting, you know, they're insisting that he's not dead because their dogs, you know, with the heat and all of that, they would have found them. Now, I just read a conflicting story of, Um, a woman that was lost on the Appalachian Trail and they had searched for her and the wardens had actually walked right past her, you know, like within a couple hundred feet. They found her on the military. Yeah, Geraldine Laverne or... Yes. And, you know, I had read that and I'm thinking, you know, because you want to believe what they're telling you. You know, obviously I'm right. wanting to believe, okay, my son's not dead because if he was, they would have found him no matter what. You know, but then I read on searches that they've done and they, you know, they admitted, hey, we walked right past this woman within a couple hundred yards, you know, yeah. like and yeah. she was alive at that point so, probably, you know? So that's what I mean. Like, so it, it would have been very easy to walk by my brother and not even know it. Like if my brother had been laying down and had died, unless I physically walked on him, I I wouldn't see him because the terrain, it, it is so thick. It is so grown up. It is so muddy. You mm-hmm. just, it is unbearable to walk yeah, through she's it. Wa- Casey's walking on her own mostly because I have very limited ability to walk. <laughs> um, so most of the time, you know, I can, I can walk a little bit. Most of the time I'm in a wheelchair. So she, you know, there is no one else that will help. Like, I mean, we, I mean, we can only do what we can do. I, we've been on four wheelers, you know, I mean, we've done it. Um, my sister, made up some survival packs we've hung those in the woods i mean oh wow i didn't think of that yeah that's a great idea yeah and and the the thing about this is with with a scene i believe right now you said it was like two weeks after he had he had gone missing where they had chased him through the bog right Mm -hmm. um now that's not like people can survive that long out there if they need to yes he could have okay so but they wouldn't absolutely so i kept telling detective trask i said i know that was my brother i said there's no other person in their right mind that would go through that crap i i mean it stunk like sewage it was up to your neck and just it was disgusting and in his state of mind he would have done that. Yeah, the and, detectives. And, and, and the 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 thing with this too is is, I imagine there would be some people that hear this and think, well, um, you know, he wouldn't have had the drugs in his system still. But yes. things to realize about about some of this stuff, especially if he's doing something like he he is not like meth wasn't a thing you said he'd commonly do, right? Right. But if it was, especially if it was laced with something that can have permanent 
effects right. on so, on your on your on your brain where you're going to do like you're just not going to be yourself. You can legitimately permanently do brain damage, and, and you know and that's the problem. Like we don't know if he's. We don't know if he's he's mentally retarded. We don't know if he's just going from long-term memory. Uh, mm -hmm. Like, we don't know his condition whatsoever. Right. Like, we don't know if he went out there and broke his leg and, you know. But right. the, the detectives were not willing um, when case, you know, when all of that happened with these people, um, the detective said, oh, Somebody wants to be the hero. These people are just trying to be the hero, so they're saying they tracked him. And it, it's just, it's been a runaround. People were telling me tips because they did not want to talk to police. They did not want them on their property. They had other stuff going on mm -hmm. or doing their own thing. Mm -hmm. right. So I've gotten three tips myself. I told the cop, please check him out. And his answer was, I'm sorry, I don't have an excuse. I was busy, tied up. And then he, he had promised a meeting and then something would get done from there. And to this day, we still have not had that. That was meeting. the beginning of August. Wow. I have met with detectives one time and that one time was to give a DNA sample, you, you, and that is it. You know, like, and they didn't even call and ask me. He sent a message with my sister because he was afraid I would freak out. Mm -hmm. So well, so, which, which <laughs> might have been justified though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, but it's just they. I, I don't know. I think they know that they screwed up from the very beginning. Sounds like it. Uh, Absolutely. I, you'd have to be a moron to not realize you screwed I, up from the I, beginning I of this. I told that cop, I said, I'm sorry. I said, but he was alive for at least three weeks. I had gotten tips for three weeks that he was first missing. There hasn't been any tips for almost five weeks now. Whatsoever. And like, you know, like we don't know. Um, and he thought I was a mental case. And other other people have said this, which, you know, we really didn't think of. Could he have gotten on the train? The train goes through there. Well, yeah, he could have gotten on the train. Um, but if he, like you said, if he has some sort of permanent damage, does he even know who he is? Does Does he, you know... He, but he could be anyway. But the, so. you'd expect someone somewhere to to report that someone is like someone's right. really out of it somewhere. You know, there there yeah. there would be a found person sort of thing somewhere, right? So I I, I would think though that if it was their family, if it was their loved one, right? How how hard would it have been to? send somebody to check on him even right. if he was unwilling even if he even if he was combative put him in handcuffs strap him to strap him to the gurney now we have yeah. um we have a, a sighting last week in medford so last week a guy had called milo um 
Milo PD. So mm-hmm. we don't know if Milo has relayed any of this to the sheriff's department. I'm going to find out come tomorrow, but and a guy had said that he had some property out there and there was a house next door that was abandoned. And that he believed somebody was squatting in there and that it possibly could be the missing guy from LaGrange. Mm -hmm. Did he have any visual confirmation or did he just say that there was someone out there? No, he had just said there was somebody out there. He, He had sent the officer out there and had chalked it out, but there hadn't been... No, nobody there when they got there, basically. Right. And then last week, about a week and a half ago, somebody called in and said, that guy that's been missing in LaGrange, his girlfriend that he come up to see, her and her new boyfriend put him in a well. And was that uh, yeah. an anonymous tip? I take it. I'm guessing it would be anonymous. Um, they don't. They, they won't tell us who calls in. You know, right. even if even if you, you know, they say that's part of their investigation. Mm-hmm. They're not going to give up their leads I, or whatever. I just don't understand why people think they need that much attention on something so serious like this is his life nobody knows if he's dead yet like he could still be alive he could he Mm -hmm. could still be just wandering and and just not knowing who he is you you, you know right and and the that's the thing too that's like based off from everything that you guys have talked about uh assuming that he would be going to find the girlfriend or whatever seems bonkers like if if he had any sort of cognizance with him then he right. would be trying to find you guys but not but he, trying to find the girlfriend he exactly. was so out of it that right he, the girl convinced him that they were going to be together they were going to get married they were going to okay. have a community yeah they, they were getting their maybe that's what stuck in his head together. right yeah, he would have right. never he he would have never left Milo area because even though Nicholas had a job and stuff like that, he's always either been very dependent on myself or his sister or right. a girlfriend. He so he you know he had no vehicle because I took you know got my vehicle back so. Nicholas, where's he gonna go? Wants yeah. somebody there, like he wants to have that companionship. Like, yeah, he was, mm. he was the nice guy. He wants somebody to to go out with, to have a good time with, you know, to have that life and possibly have a child. I mean, geez, that's okay. That sounds pretty good, you know. Get a new girlfriend, get a new place to live, start off fresh, you, you know. Everything under the sun was promised to him. Yeah, like we have, we have no reason to believe that anything um, sinister happened. You know, like right, no foul play sort of stuff. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, now this has come in about his girlfriend and the new boyfriend dumping him down a well. And I think that just follows Diana's. You know case a little bit i don't know you know 
I don't know. It it just sounds. You, you hear that story a lot. A lot of these cases too. The same. Yeah. Type, I just, type of story. And and it's you know it's so close. Like like I was um, telling Casey, you know we don't really know what's going on with her case. The police might have been out you know near her property searching, you know for whatever reason, and someone seen seen the police out there and said oh. Oh, they're looking for that Nick guy. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you know, no. you never know. And then right. they just, no, they, people just make, you know, they told, I don't know, make uh, things up. The, the, the officer told me they physically got a phone call and somebody called in the tip that he was in a well on the property. Yeah. Her new, on Christie's new apartment. Okay. And she doesn't even have a new apartment, so that that blows that blows that story out, you know. So. Yeah, but definitely something to keep track of. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's really kind of discouraging. You know, a lot of things are I, discouraging, and. I just hope people understand that it it's not to 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 sit there and. and make up false stuff like that whether it's for attention or what he's a human being yeah it's so bizarre helping absolutely nobody when you do that sort of thing you're you're doing nothing but hindering Mm -hmm. any sort of progress i i won't lie it is very tiresome it is so hard to sit there and try and, and believe that Okay, he made it somewhere. So you know, he's mm-hmm. just hiding out, and, and it, it just my brother. It, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be your 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 task to go out there and look for him either. And that's that's oh. what's so devastating. I mean, you would anyways. I assume that, but there should be oh. other people out there doing this for you. Absolutely, that, that's what I mean. Yeah, no, we haven't. Uh... They were supposed to do another search. Um... There was a few people right in the beginning from Milo that uh, went on to an ATV site. Um, people we know set up for a search, gave a time and a place for everyone to meet. No, They didn't even show up. No, no. The person that set it up didn't even show up. Wow. You know, so it's like, uh, I just, I don't even know how, how else you would go about organizing something. But, you know, you would think the sheriff's department, they have these resources, you know, they, this DME, all of that. I mean, everybody is setting back waiting for command from the from the sheriff's department because they are the investigating agency. Well, and, and 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 hopefully with this podcast, we might apply some sort of um, public pressure on them to get their right. thumb out of their asses and do something, right? Yeah, because a lot of people or like, at least respond to it, even even if they like some sort of response to the situation. You mm-hmm. cannot imagine myself and then. Um, a family friend of mine, my family growing up, and a few other people, we could not even get the newspaper or the news stations to even cover this. We 
were on them for weeks and weeks and weeks and wow. weeks. And then when Bangor Daily News finally covered the story, the reporter didn't even have my name right. He never even asked me what my what my last name was. I'm remarried, so I don't have the same last name as my children. But mm-hmm. you know, just little it that shows what lack of interest him even reporting the story was. He didn't even have the decency to give me my right last name. You know, there's, like there's so much to the story too that goes way beyond a missing person poster. So uh, if you guys, do you guys have anything else to, to share about the case or any websites you're using, whether it's be a GoFundMe or Facebook looking for them or anything like that? Um, yes, we do have a GoFundMe. Um, the page is called Bring My Son Home. Um, I've also been posting um, our missing flyers and things on TikTok. Just try to get out there. And of course, on on my regular Facebook page, um, something. Uh, just to, sorry, know, get it out there any way we can. Something I found that works well is if you join like the local uh, town pages as well, and try to post That's it right. there. So street corners, every telephone pole, <laughs> convenience stores. Yeah. Um, just just uh, just keeping that little bit of hope and praying that hopefully he comes home safe and, and that it, it has just been a wild misfortunate adventure as it be and yeah and I one thing I want to stress is it became very overwhelming for people to private message me with, hey, I think we saw, you know, this, or I, you know, I saw that. And I tried to stress to people, not that I don't want to hear those tips. It, it just became very overwhelming. And by them not relaying that to 911, mm-hmm. it does not help us because they need to us, hear it from Right, them. they need to hear it yeah, from them. You guys board. don't need that extra added stress. Good. That's a yeah, really good point. It, yeah, it's... I battled with that, you know, because yes, I did, you know, I, I did want to know, but when I was calling, you know, the detective and saying, hey, this person messaged me, you know, it, it didn't go anywhere, so... So, so it, it, if if Nicholas does get seen, like, he, he's not going to hurt anybody. He's not going to... You know, he's not going to be violent with them. He's probably scared right out of his mind and just wants to come home. And if somebody does happen to see him and and he is still out there trying to make it home, I just hope that people will call it in and, and just try to be helpful and help bring him home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do something that the authorities didn't do here and be compassionate. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, even as far as calling um, emergency rooms and stuff like that, um, they initially do that. But once they initially call an emergency room, it kind of ends there. It's kind of up 
to the hospital to you know mm. it's very weird the system we have is is very you know very weird in that respect because um that was a question i had to investigators you know how often you know does the you know the hospital like notify you and he's like oh that's a really good question you know like so mm. i would just say hey if you're a nurse out there and someone comes in that you don't know you know think of that you know yeah check missing persons you know in your area i guess i mean just any way any way that it can help anybody it might not might not even be us it might help someone else you know people are very quiet these days like um you know they they don't even tend you know they don't they don't tend my, to stop my help. daughter just for i know this is off subject my daughter was at mcdonald's in bangor the other day and this old woman had fallen down like three times before my daughter and her her boyfriend could get out to help this woman an elderly woman she's probably 80 years old then it nobody would get out and help her stand back up wow and i just like how bad is that that's the you stuff know? that makes you cry seeing right. that stuff it that... made me cry because i i knew that old woman what was basically getting the same treatment my brother yeah. got and to watch it was just heartbreaking like mm-hmm. what is this world come to that not one person i mean and you're talking in a public place and you know a drive through mcdonald's that people won't even get out of their vehicle to help an elderly woman up off the ground that's pretty sad yeah it's crazy you know so well we want to thank you both for joining us um you know we admire your strength and your courage to to fight for Nick and and try to find him and Casey I know that I feel like you take a lot of personal responsibility for it all but honestly it's nothing you could have done differently no no that's yeah and I like I've I've teared up a couple times just talking to you guys like this is I can't imagine what you're going through but don't put this all on yourself because you've just been let down you and Nick both you guys you guys have done everything that you can so just yeah. to stay strong. And I try I try to reassure her, you know. Yeah. They should have like you said not put that they should have not put that responsibility onto her when when they went for help. Somebody should have done something. They should have done their friggin' job. Yeah. yeah, you you know. Yeah, she Again. Thank you guys very much. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank You're you. Welcome. Thank you for having us. All right. You guys have a good night. Yeah, you have too. a good night. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. We know this was a long one, but if you're still with us, we greatly appreciate your continued attention, and we want to deeply thank Crystal and Casey for joining us. We can only imagine how difficult this must be for them. We would also like to thank Officer Nicholas Klukey for taking the time to give his perspective of the situation. If you have any information about Nick's disappearance, please contact the Penobscot County Sheriff's Office at 207-947-4585. And like I said at the beginning, we are organizing a search for Nick this Saturday, the 11th of September. 
follow up on our Facebook page for more information if you'd like to help. And as always, thanks for listening. The search for five-year-old Taylor, Taylor Williams led investigators to Alabama this week. So we have some breaking news from Florida. An arrest has been made. After years of agony, a glimmer of hope for the family. Investigators spent hours searching through this house off Pennsylvania Avenue. What could be a major development in the search for missing Alabama teenager. Tonight, a stunning twist in the search for Taylor. Somebody out there knows something. They want to lay him to rest their way, not by somebody else's way. 